You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, and, um... I don't know, like non-binary people, house is and <laughs> you sound like such a creep right I'm set, now. Let's, let's try this again. To? Let's Who try this again. To? Hold on, hold on. I need to take a hit first. One second. One second. This could be, you can put this on the radio. If you <laughs> the want. radio. This is all going to end up. So why don't you, yeah, like try it again. This is all. Well, why part are you of fucking doing? Like, honestly, I'm so sick of showing you guys how <laughs> all to right, do so an intro. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of 2020. Benny's too busy smoking out of his bong right now, so I'm stuck doing it's the a intro. Honey badger. Or is that a? It's a. I don't even know what sort of apparatus it is, but for anyone, it's very, it's very I guess this part looking. isn't on video, so <laughs> well, yeah. nobody can actually use, see yeah, what it use is. Use your imagination. <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I honestly, I agree with um, Dennis Leary. He said some very, very um, prophetic things on No Cure for Cancer in the 80s. He said, I stopped smoking weed because I didn't want to be like a like a carpenter, you know? And like now they have like these crazy, super high technology. Like this will roast your dabs at 30, 300 degrees, but then like lower it down. And it, it's crazy. The apparatus, apparatus. We're living in the future. Well, now that we've deviated completely from the fact that we have like one of our real life guitar heroes on the show this week. We also didn't introduce ourselves. So maybe we, we should start with that. Okay. Uh, so you go first. Ladies first. <laughs> so, so I'm Siobhan Cronin and I'm here with my friends, Benny Goodman. Hi. And Corey Peza. Hey. Very energetic yes. tonight, guys. I'm getting a contact high. Well, I have to go watch Harry Potter with my 15-year-old. So, you know what? Like, I got to... Guys, we got to get this shit done. Like, I need to find out what, <laughs> what happens in Azkaban. All right. So, most importantly, <laughs> this is 2020. It is a podcast. Is that what this is now? We've had, uh, you know, a ton of guests, a ton of really great guests. And this is a, a unique guest we have on because he's actually in our band, Lost Symphony, that this whole show Woo! was kind of started around. Was that delayed? Woo! <laughs> yeah lostsymphony.com can we actually plug what we do so like this Kelly who we have Kelly Kara Luke not to be confused with Kara Luck Kara Luke is from Hamilton Ontario and I met Kelly because he was sent to me and by sent I mean like in YouTube format as the greatest guitarist <laughs> I had never heard of. Yeah, because and you tell that entire story in this episode. Do so I? We don't, we I don't, don't remember. I was smoking too much weed. I don't remember. <laughs> but yes, Kelly, the guitarist for Lost Symphony, of which we are all members, which sometimes we forget to mention that we're actually a band that's faking being podcast hosts. Right. For all those people that are wondering, like, who are these three people? Like, what are they doing? Yeah, we actually <laughs> well, play music. <laughs> do they know the irony is, is that, that there's no lyrics and that, in fact, I don't even talk in the band? 
Is that crazy? It's very, is that like it's very is nice. that crazy? You should it's listen like a to the music. It's very enjoyable. That might have been the best thing to happen to Lost Symphony. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this episode is a is a great behind the scenes look at the band and how it was formed. And uh, and Kelly's an amazing guitarist, and we get to delve kind of deep into his his background. And he's such a scholar. That's what I love yeah. about him. He's just like so like well studied in everything having to do with not just guitar but music. He's a metaphor for Canada. He's like yeah. us, but cleaner, better, <laughs> more disciplined, like and hum- more polite, more humble. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Toronto versus New York. It's just like you know, very cultured, but like there's no cigarette butts on the ground, and you're not going to get like jumped in the corner somewhere. So stay tuned for a very polite discussion with a Canadian here on 2020. Grab your poutine and your mayo. We're going deep with Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 2020, where basically you got screwed by the world into watching this. Um, I uh, have my good, good, good friends um, in no order of preference, but kind of. Siobhan Cronin is over there. Um, she's amazing. She smiles. She she does all the things you need to do. She looks like she's a filter for Instagram. They should hire her. And then I, I, my eyes are still opening right now. Over there trying yeah. again hard for the sponsor. Miller Lite. Miller, get uh, on no, it. No, 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 no. High life. High, high life. Uh, yeah. okay, the champagne. Okay. okay, excuse me. The champagne <laughs> of beers. Um, we have Corey Peza, who's the champagne of bass players. Uh, yes. And then, <laughs> and then I am so, so proud to announce because what people don't understand is that this guy is the greatest guitarist that you probably, and I'm sorry, Kelly, because this is a little bit of like a backhanded compliment, have not heard of. <laughs> the guitar player from the band Lost Symphony and many other really good bands up there in the land of Canada. Can we please introduce <laughs> Kelly Carolock? <laughs> Yay! Uh, With his Tim Hortons cup, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many mugs, but this is the one I choose to present today. Just nice. so you guys, so our, our listeners slash viewers, but prob- hopefully listeners for, for your visual eye's sake, um, we as a band, having done almost three records now, is Lost Symphony, who is our sponsor. Lost oh, Symphony. Oh, yeah. It's Lost, up there. LostSymphony.com. <laughs> I'm going to get my CD. Chapter one, chapter two, chapter three coming sometime. I have it today. In the century. <laughs> um, which features Kelly, Siobhan, myself, and Corey. There you go. Uh, but we've never actually all talked together. Because people all the time say, "Why don't you have any band photo?" And our and our band photo is actually, if you it's, look, it's a zombie band it, photo. It, it's a zombie band photo, and that's because which I'm actually it's very accurate. Other than I'm taller than everybody, <laughs> and we clearly know that both Kelly and uh, and Corey are taller in real life. But that's because we've never been in a room together. Like, uh, can we it's talk really about crazy. this? It's crazy. So Kelly, when I hit you up, so so the story of Lost Symphony is that I basically harassed Kelly online because I found out he was amazing. And, and that's the story him. of everyone. You harassed him online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Every, every, <laughs> guest, every guest we have on. Yeah. So I was just stalking this guy and I slid into his DMS and you're the only person What's in the your room email? that works. Yeah. So I basically harassed the heck out of him and I was like, Hey man, can we, can we collaborate? And he was like, sure. Send me something. And, and we worked on this song, leave well enough alone, which is track number two on, um, on chapter two, which is coming out, which is probably already out by the time this podcast comes out. Um, and uh, it, 
he made it into something that I never, ever, ever thought it could be and then asked another wizard-level guitar player, Conrad Simon, to play on it. And for the, for the last five years, I have used that song basically as my resume to other musicians to be like, see what we can do? And it's really just Kelly and Conrad murdering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a really interesting uh, thing. And especially getting Conrad, who, I mean, I've been a fan of for a, a while, and that's actually hard to say because not a lot of people even know who he is or, or it's almost, not hard to say, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's interesting that I even found out who he was. I found out who Conrad was through literally, I think it was the John Petrucci forum on his <laughs> website, wow. which doesn't even exist anymore. Right. I mean, Facebook became a thing. Forums just kind of went, yeah. uh, uh, we're not needed anymore. But back then, that was the hub for anything that was like progressive or, or high level playing kind of stuff. That's where you would go to find out who's who, right? So I remember reading something and, and they were discussing another player. And I can't remember who that was exactly, but someone in that forum had mentioned, oh, no, that guy's good. But Conrad is, is like, same level, but more interesting in terms of composition and, and whatnot. And I'm like, who's Which this? is probably true, not even knowing the other guitarist, because yeah. Conrad is a fucking... He's the most interesting, wizard player in like, the world. I, 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 mysterious. Can we also go on record as saying we don't even know if he's real as a person? Like, he could be... <laughs> I think he actually might be an Ouija board just sending us... <laughs> <laughs> Signals. <laughs> could be, but... Uh, so I searched out a couple things. I, I found a couple links... None of them were on LimeWire, by the way. And um, <laughs> and I was like, and then I found out he's Canadian. Like he was, he lives in the same country. Apparently at the time he lived in, um, I want to say Montreal and then moved to the, to the East Coast later on. Um, but I'm sitting there listening to this mysterious guy who has zero presence at the time on online at all he actually has like anti-presence like if you mention his name people are just like it's 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 like literally one of those things like you can't talk, we can't talk about it. it's like fight club conrad simon yeah, his name was conrad simon his name was conrad simon the end right I mean, yeah. so but that would have been like early 2000s that i even heard of his name so just interesting that years later, I managed to hit him up. I managed to find a Conrad Simon on Facebook. Turns out it's the same guy. And, you know, I kind of explained the story and we had a little bit of contact. So again, when you hit me up and you were, you were like, okay, who else can we get? Do you know anyone else who would be? Well, I specifically <laughs> said that you were. He roped referenced, you into a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> well, you were, you were referenced to me as like the greatest guitar player that I had never heard of. And I hadn't heard of you. You know what I mean? And they sent me. Um, I think an instrumental you had done, and I basically was just like, if I, if you were auditioning for Megadeth, you're in. Like, this guy's <laughs> fucking bananas. And then I remember messaging you, and you were just super nice and affable, as all Canadians seem to be. It's really weird. She's like, oh, hi! Exclamation point, exclamation point. How are you? Do you like hockey? I also the like Westerners Inbang. are like that, too. We're yeah. pretty close to Canada. Yeah, he's so, he was so nice. And then he was like, well, <laughs> I like to think that I can play. But there's this guy Conrad, <laughs> so, and then he so sent humble. me this. Then he sent me this overture that he had done, and I, I literally said to him, "Is this even fucking real?" He's like, "I know." 
I know. He's like, I had to transcribe that. And I'm like, just like, why? But oh when he God. told me that he had transcribed Conrad Simon, I said immediately to myself, just like Corey, when he showed up with the 5150 big block amp to the gig, I knew he was going to be my backline guy forever. <laughs> like when Kelly told me, when Kelly okay, told how me. How can I exploit this? Yeah. When Kelly told me that he had actually transcribed this murderous, absolutely insane Berkeley School of Music thesis that he had sent me on YouTube that didn't even seem like John Petrucci could play it. I was like, all right, this is our guy. This is the guy I'm going to harass until he decides he wants to be in a band with me. Wow. And, and so Kelly, what, what was your first impression of Ben? <laughs> we got to hear the real story. <laughs> what really happened? He looks dumbfounded. Actually, the interesting thing is that he and I never chatted, um, like literally like we are now. I've never heard his voice for a while. I have a way better Wait, text game. I have a way better text game. Ask any girl that's ever dated me. The best thing is that, and the funniest thing is that Ben texts like he like he has a BlackBerry. Yeah, he's like three. I may have had a BlackBerry when we started yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah. Four words send. Uh, five words send. Bing, 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 bing. Whereas I'll sit there and I'll write like a paragraph and I'll write a, a <clears throat> an idea. I'll write a, a summary of what I want. Yeah. And then send it. Right? That's to say there is a filter that comes with between what is in your brain <laughs> yeah. and what you what you actually put Yeah, no, it's real page. time. I'm really like a stenographer with you, for whatever like angry out. things going on. Yeah, and then by the time you go to answer the first question, we're like uh, 50 miles down the road at that point. It's like, <laughs> like what was that arpeggio? A- There's a squirrel. I love butterflies. <laughs> Siobhan, did you see any owls today? <laughs> yeah, it was... It was actually really neat because, I mean, I, I couldn't keep up with the conversation, but it made <laughs> Even with those fingers, even as fast as he plays, he still can't, he can't out-type me Maybe with my thumbs. I had to say, I had to pick my battles with, with the conversation, right? I'm as like, we all do. I'm going to go with line one and five. There we go. <laughs> but it was cool. I mean, I, the, the thing that impressed me the most was the, the energy level. Yeah. Right? And the enthusiasm behind anything. It could have been anything. It could have been like, <laughs> literally anything. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, well, Colin, can we, can we take a moment to say to any future sponsor that it could be anything. I could get excited <laughs> about anything. Yeah. You want me to clamato juice, clams and tomato? That sounds horrible, but I can get excited about it. I like salt. I like tomato juice. I think lycopenia is a great antioxidant. Like, whatever. Just, just send it to us. Send it to Kelly. Send it to Siobhan. Send it to court for free. We'll talk about it. It doesn't even matter. You don't even have to pay us at first. Like, we're, we're lower Tim entry Hortons level. Tim Hortons would be good. Yeah, coffee. Tim Hortons, that would be fantastic. I don't drink coffee. I make it nervous. But that's besides <laughs> the point. Like, I'm glad you, you felt my energy because one thing we always say again on the show is that energy transfers. And boy, especially on chapter two, does your energy transfer through your notes? Mm. Yes, I, uh, I'm gonna, I already think that that one is gonna be a ramp up. Oh, it is. Yeah. Actually, in fact, I will tell people from now so you're not let down. Chapter three is not as, I guess, for lack of a better term, as guitarish. It's got guitars, but like we're chapter one for most people is like, you know, you go to a buffet at the Bellagio and you eat yourself until you literally can't even see because that's the American thing. You know what I mean? Like, so like if you're in Canada, imagine going into a place and eating 13 things of poutine with just mayonnaise. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, 
This That's is like, like daily life for Americans. This is like the Asian kid that eats 740 hot dogs in 13 seconds. <laughs> if you're, if he was a guitar player, it's chapter two. And we didn't mean to do it. We really didn't mean to do it. We had written a lot of these songs separately, but when we put this massive songs together, first off, it starts off with Jeff Loomis and Marty Friedman, and then you throw in Kelly Inch, Vaughn, and you're like, everything's gonna be a letdown. Everything's gonna be a letdown from here. It's gonna all be a letdown. And it goes into Leave Well Enough Alone, which is the song that Conrad and Kelly did first. And I'm just gonna say, well, Marty and well, Jeff, you should be scared if you cared about if you cared about moving further on in your careers. But they're already legends. They don't have to be scared. They don't need you to take over. But I one of the things that I think David Ellison had said um, when he came here, and he'll probably say, I didn't say that either, but he did say was the next three guitar players from Megadeth could be in this band. And I always thought to myself, the first thing that went through my head when I heard your first track was like, why is this guy not in Megadeth? <laughs> why aren't you in Megadeth? <laughs> That's good. No, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain if I were asked being. <laughs> but why do you, okay, but if you're as good as you are, why wouldn't you like find out about the, did you not know they were auditioning people? No, you know what? Um, I actually know one of the former Megadeth guitar players a little bit. And he, how is Jeff Young? No, not Jeff. It was over. <laughs> and uh, he's the guy that was in right before Broderick. And I met, I love Glenn. I met him through actually, Long story, but I met him through another forum uh, chat thing on the King Diamond forum. <laughs> and his brother, because he was in King Diamond previously. Uh, he was? was, yep. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that so, makes me like Glenn better. Nerding out on the King Diamond forum, and his brother Sean was on there. Drummer. Megadeth. Yep. So this is all pre-Megadeth. This is like a few years before that. His brother pipes up because they're chatting about transcriptions. Anybody got transcriptions of this King Diamond song or that solo? Sean pipes up and says, hey, does anybody have any transcriptions of anything my brother's been on? Because he did one album with King Diamond. I think it was called House of God. And me, being the, the nerd, I'm like, I'll do one. What song would you like me to do? Wow. And, and he's like, uh, The Trees Have Eyes is one of the songs on that album, a great track. So I did the solo. I, I wrote it out. I think it took two days. And I'm, I'm talking like penciling it out. I've got a ruler. Oh, I've seen it. It's like very OCD. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to look like the guitar magazines, right? I want it to look official and whatnot. So wrote it out. And I go, okay, where do you want me to send it? He's like, oh, here's my brother's address. Just send it to Glenn. <gasps> wow. And I'm like, right, cool. So I do. And a couple, I would say a couple of weeks later, I got mail back and it was glenn had said hey man no one has ever done this for me before like this is wicked he goes i don't know i can't read it i don't know anything about <laughs> i couldn't authenticate in other words what he was saying was i couldn't i, I wouldn't know if you made a mistake or not because i can't read anyway but <laughs> like awesome so he sent me like uh i think it was like a signed picture and two bags of pics and and everything else. And we kind of connected after that because he, at the time, he lived in Toronto. So I would bump into him all the time at concerts. Um, and Megadeth concerts at that <laughs> prior to him being in the band. So anyway, um, so I'm at a Deep Purple concert. Deep Purple and Joe Satriani. That was a guitar. Okay? And I bump into Glenn. And he's like, Glenn is usually like this. 
<laughs> no. no. Right? This time, he was like, hey, man, come here. I got something to tell you. I'm like, oh, geez. What could it be? And he's like, hey, I'm like, I'm that close to being in Megadeth. He goes, it's, it's between me and another guy. I'm like, well, well, all of a sudden, you know, everything's like, everything slows down, right? Yeah. Time slows down. And everything's, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, this guy I know is potentially going to be in like one of my favorite bands ever. Weird, right? And he said, yeah, you know, it's between me and Jeff Waters from Annihilate. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. I like Annihilator too, but what strange <laughs> thing, like just to have someone you kind of know say, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be in one of the biggest bands and bizarre. The point is, is that I found out through that conversation that to be in that band, you, you don't just audition, like the, there's a million people who would want to be in that band, but they have an inner circle. Like any band at that level, there's an inner circle. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in it, you're not in it, Right. So to get on the list of people who would be in that band, their recommendations from people they trust. So apparently, I don't know who it was, but someone in that organization gave Miskane a list of 10 people or so that they would recommend. So they're roadworthy, trustworthy, whatever. They, yeah. They're in a circle, right? So they, they don't care about anyone out of that circle. The, you know, mm-hmm. the process of finding out who you are outside of the circle is just too long and, and like, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. when your band is big as Megadeth, I'm sure you, you there's people lined up from like way before. Yeah, and I like- think that's pretty common with a lot of bands at, at even mid-level bands is like the you don't want to just have like American Idol auditions. And, and no. call, and like, not, right. You're not doing a cattle call. You're going, hey, does anyone know someone who can tour next week that will be reliable? You know. Well, that's how Richard got in the cradle of filth because yeah. they like literally yeah, exactly. called him. Same like, with me. Can- I was I got into Star Set based on recommend. I mean, recommendation, and obviously they looked into me. You know, and yeah. experience. But By the yeah, way, Kelly, you'll really appreciate like this. That. I have a Nostradamus like photo because of, I want to say like ten or twelve years ago, I have a picture of myself with John uh, Denae uh, from. Anthrax and Shadows Fall. Um, Mark Lopes, who's a great vocalist from this area, who plays now with Ross the Boss, which is the guitar player from Manowar. And my buddy Mikey Turbane, um, who later played bass for Shadows Fall. And in the picture, Mikey is wearing a Shadows Fall shirt, not in Shadows Fall. <laughs> Mark is wearing a Manowar shirt, not with Ross the Boss. And John is wearing a Peace of Mind Anthrax shirt, not with Anthrax. So... That's- so as a hometown guy, you know what I mean? To see your boy, Shadows Fall was like cool that they got to be a big band, but like then to see him go and in the ranks of Paul Crook and, you know, um, all these other, uh, um, Dan Spitz and these other amazing guitar players. And then there's John, you know what I mean? Like who we know and he's wearing the shirt. And then I go back and Mark again, He's playing with Ross the Boss, so he's singing the Manowar catalog, and he's wearing the Manowar shirt. And then my buddy Mikey literally replaced the bass player in Shadows Fall when he when they left, and he's wearing a Shadows Fall shirt. So oh, I'm I like, I, we gotta, I got, I gotta find it on my Facebook so we can post it here. But like, it literally was like, I looked back at it. Yeah, I, I looked back at it. I'm like, oh my god, dude, I should have played the odds on all these motherfuckers. <laughs> Pretty wild, man. Pretty oh my wild. gosh. Why don't we get back into? the lost symphony beginnings and like uh-huh. kelly do you remember kind of the trance because it started off as just the one song right was it ever discussed it was going to be this like big project or when you first got it what was your impression of it 
I think the basic idea was when Ben sent Leave Well Enough Alone, which I don't even think had a title at the time. I think that came a little later. We, uh, we called it LWEA. We had that title for years, but we were just like, we're not going to confuse those Canadians with the stupid title. <laughs> As we're so easily confused. We'll just leave you well enough alone. <laughs> we had that. We had that track done. And I think, I mean, when I sent my parts back and, and Conrad had his parts um, submitted, I think the initial thing between Ben and Brian in particular was they kind of just sat there and went, wow, this is potentially better than what we thought it would be. Uh, but potentially is an understatement because my brother <laughs> and I go into the studio, we make lots and lots of music like that. And then all of a sudden what came back was the equivalent. <laughs> and I'm going to say it as a fan, because I can't play like this. I have no idea what the fuck you're doing, but as a fan, okay, I will quote. So I sent it to my buddy, Jason, Jason Sukoff, who is a famous producer. He, he's produced All That Remains. He's produced, um, I think, Machine Head and Trivium and a bunch of big bands. And I sent it to him and he was just like, yeah, bro, sounds like cacophony. This shit's fucking bananas. And Jason, just so you know, is one of the most insane guitarists. In fact, a lot of the albums that you may have heard from him, it might be him playing guitar on it. Um, and he heard that song and he was just like, dude, those guys are smoking. Holy shit. And in fact, we were talking to Jason Costa from All That Remains who played drums on that song. And the whole reason we got Ollie uh, to come into the band and do things with us was because he heard you and Conrad and he was just like, who are those guys? I need to know who those guys are. I need to know who they are. Uh, I've never heard playing like that. That's crazy. Is that guy really playing like that? What's the story with that? He's a left-hander. That guy's a left-hander. Is the other guy a left-hander? Is he a right? And he had so many questions for me. Like he should have just been on the forum with you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I love about that song um, and, and it's something that, that's kind of been a thread as much as is possible throughout the rest of the project is that it's, very lyrical it's not just uh you know four or five minutes of shred there's actually a guitar solo in the song that's only guitars like at the near the like the end there you're like oh this is the guitar yeah, you're as ostentatious as steve i just shred from the very beginning and then be like oh but there's a solo too yeah but but, <laughs> but everything else is very it's it's melodic it's it's repeatable repeatable patterns so it doesn't feel like you're just like noodling um and I, that was no. you know that was when you know, I was at Speakeasy Studios with Ben doing some other band project. And when you showed me that the first time, that's why I was like, oh, this is actually not as stupid as it could have been. <laughs> like, this well, is Corey, cool. Corey's very nihilistic. <laughs> I'll play stuff for Corey. He's like, yeah, that's that's good. Keep at it. Like, he's not he's not he's never, ever like overtly mean. He's just like, sure, sure. I could I could see where you could you could go somewhere with that sometime. <laughs> and then I played that for him and he was like. Wow. <laughs> and then I think the first thing he said about Conrad was the same thing I said was, that's a guitar? <laughs> because it's so, because he's yeah. such a, because if you guys haven't heard, people haven't heard the song, because it's chapter two, it's not out yet. Um, but if you listen to Conrad's playing, which is on chapter one on a song like Requiem, for example, um, you know, as soon as Marty Friedman's done, it goes into this bananas I can only, I call it Frank Zappa-esque just because it's so weird. It's weird in the way that Frank Zappa was just strange musically, but it's not like Frank Zappa. It's it's not like anything. There's just runs in there. In fact, uh, Corey and I looked into it and there's even some stuff that like was, he would go over a measure by like a, a 30 second note or something like that. But it's so good. You're just like, it's hard. It's hard to comprehend his playing, but it's so fluid. 
that the first thing I think of is not a guitar player, but like, is this some programmed weird keyboard thing? <laughs> but like, when we started doing this, where now there is straight up guitar programming and guitar lip syncing. No, this is like well before that, this guy was playing this insane level of like calling the, uh, you know, the, the native Indian spirits <laughs> to play through his what, fingers. What's even crazier is that aside from the ridiculous arpeggios and, and leads that, that you guys were doing and Conrad's super like tight playing, he sent a rhythm track for that song, but he only sent one track. And so I doubled it because we wanted the stereo and mm -hmm. it took me three days just to double his rhythm track because it was so oh my gosh. intricate and his palm mutes are so precisely placed and like his his phrasing i'm like this is the hardest rhythm track i've ever had to play like, like i don't i don't do a lot of leads with lost symphony I, but like the rhythms alone were keeping me that's when i learned that siobhan was better than any guitar player was because no. we got bored after because we have all these songs we do them and she'd come in like a, from miami or ohio or whatever and she'd come to a whole section and then we'd be done um, a lot of times we were working manically and sometimes we'd be ahead of the game. And one time we were ahead of the game and I'm like, why don't you harmonize Conrad? <laughs> on that was the one of the stoner moments you had where you're like, what can I put her what, through what that can is I worse put her than through she's through already had yeah. to do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Other than making you write something behind Marty Friedman, what's <laughs> yeah. what's more evil to do to, to someone who thinks that they can play? <laughs> so I was like, let's just find Conrad. And you just, you go into the studio and here's the thing is with Siobhan. So we're with me, if I'm trying to learn Smells Like Teen Spirit, it's like a seven day process, but I'll get it and it'll be perfect, but it'll take me a long time. Siobhan's just like, what are the notes? And that's it. She's just like, just write it out properly and I'll just do it. No, she goes, what are the notes? And men goes, ah, he sings through the talk I, back, Mike. I, I, He's yeah, like, those are the notes. Those are the notes <laughs> doing exactly like I did it. Um, and I'm a quarter tone off, which makes it worse when you have no frets. But she literally can go in and you can say, harmonize to this, harmonize to that. And she just does track, track, track. And everything's a take. Everything's a take. With Conrad, she's like, eh? his feel is so weird. <laughs> Why? Well, wait, with, wait, uh, wait. Did, what we have, what we have, was we that? Have, we have Pro Tools, and what you can do is you can play everything at half speed. Half so especially, yeah. especially with Conrad, that's a necessity. It's so the like, only thing you can do. So, you, But even then, it's like... Solo. It's still what crazy, like, like figuring out the rhythms, the way they're like, yeah. Yeah, he'll do like groups of five or something that's just like, how did you fit this in? Yeah, Rusty <laughs> Cooley's doing four notes a string. He's doing like seven notes a string and he only has five <laughs> fingers, four fingers on a hand. And you're like, how does this even happen? Like, the thing is, I don't understand him. In fact, I think the most interesting thing would be at some point to have a master class where you explain Conrad Simon <laughs> to everybody. Conrad because, 101. Because yeah. the thing is, it's I'm not saying he's the best guitar player in the world. He's just the most technically, like where Siobhan was talking about Japan. I feel like where the rest <laughs> of us are in the United States and maybe Canada, Canada is better than us, but, but, but we're in the, in the United States, like Conrad Simon and Marty Friedman are in Japan. <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they, have, they, they have the singularity. They already know your Facebook feed because it's uploaded to their brains. Like their <laughs> hands are already like they know the notes because it's all automated. Well, I know the pleasure of having to double Conrad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> pleasure? Is that the word you use? <laughs> yes. So polite. Yes. <laughs> Sadomasochist that is Kelly. Yeah, you have to speak Canadian to know what that actually means. Yeah, I can't complain because I'm the one who, who kind of got him in the project. So I'm right. like, it's my fault. I, I deserve this punishment.
<laughs> no, that's because you're a sadomasochist. And to be better at anything, like we've said, you have to have anxiety and to have some form of problem with something in your life, you have to work out by being better. <laughs> so if it was so Conrad, fun for me, though. If it was Conrad Simon, if yeah. it was Conrad Simon was the way you needed to work it out, Kelly, I wasn't offended because if, well, as people can I, hear, it's well, good. I developed a twitch. I can just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you're not losing your hair like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Conrad. Man. So what, what was it like doubling those solos? Like, explain that because I, we used to joke around that it was like you, the computer against the, the chess master. Because Conrad is like, again, we almost feel like he's a fictitious wizard level player. Only, again, not, not even just because he's so mm. accurate, but because what he does is just so pleasantly weird. Can you explain yeah. what that means? Because I can't say if it's the Locrian mode, <laughs> if it's a, a sharp fourth here or something, but he's always just a little out of the box, whether it's a group of five, like Corey said, or whether it's just doing a minor arpeggio over a major arpeggio to give it a weird feel. Yeah. He's sort of like, he makes it comfortable and weird at the same time. So it's like you're, you're, you're soaking in this kind of strange weirdness but you're like, oh, I kind of like it here, right? Yeah. He, he's, not, he's not like obtuse about it. He's not like, you know, where something is blatantly wrong, right? It's yeah. just sort of like, oh, who's calling me? <laughs> Come on, this is a very professional podcast, is, Kelly. Is gotta, that a landline that I it's hear? It's a landline, oh, yeah. Wow. They have those in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that, just to divert from that. Um, is that next to your hockey stick? Actually, I kind of need a landline because it, I live in an apartment and that's what they used to buzz up. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Nice. Uh, How? But other than that, I, I don't think I could go through life without a landline. Some people are like, why not? It's, it's old technology. Like, what? You drop this in the toilet. <laughs> That's true. So I get the water. I feel, like, I feel like that's something like verbatim <laughs> Satchel would have said to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, so yeah, the I think that's a good way of describing Conrad, though. Is is he just kind of? It's so familiar, yet there's these elements in there that definitely let you know that you're not in Kansas anymore. I guess yeah. would be mm -hmm. the best way to put it. Well, we'll talk about Requiem because he that was the one we made her play on. And I will go as far as to say that that was the first time that Conrad sent us something that was so good yet so weird that he stumped us. Because we <laughs> sent him a song that had a feel and he said, oh, you want it to feel a certain way? Here's something completely different. And it was so different that for <laughs> I think, I think almost three, for three, for three <laughs> years, no one else knew what to do on it. Like Kelly was even like, I don't think I want to can we just go on to the next song for now? Because <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do after that. And then what was it like when we recorded? Cause it was funny for me because I've never seen Siobhan actually frustrated in my life. She's so like, but she was just like, why would he play it like this? What, who, who takes a pot? Was that like a 15th? What, what was that? Well, here's one of the things I love transcription projects and stuff like that. I love a challenge, but what I've learned through trying to, like do things like this and even learn people's guitar solos is just some things feel really weird on violin. So a lot of the frustration also comes from like, oh, this might be like a tapping thing you do on guitar or like something that's comfortable based on the tuning of the guitar, but on violin, it's or a total something pain in no the one ass. ever does and Conrad or just something does it. no one ever does. That I learned a weird. lot of violin things and it's the same thing. It's like yeah. tuning, different scale length, things right. that be comfortable on the violin are like 
you pull your hair out try and play it on yeah. guitar right I mean, many different things so we'll have to talk about that later because i got well, we have two professionals i have to ask you a question because she's so kelly if you don't know this um Siobhan is covering guitar solos, um, which you, by the way, to. should suggest some because he's the number one guy. But I got to ask you, if you were to transcribe another Conrad Simon piece or Jason Richardson hose down, who's more daunting to you as far as if you had to? Not saying that one's better than the other, but if you were to transcribe one, what's more daunting? That's a good question. Um, both. <laughs> both. That's not an answer. But um, I've heard more Conrad than, I, than I've heard Jason. So I don't know. Maybe Jason because. Because we told that. Siobhan she has to do hose down because we're trying to hose Jason down in 2020 him into doing something with us. And we figure what better way to suck up just like you did to Glenn. To Glenn, you know what you mean? Where you transcribed his music. Transcribe hose down, but actually play it. <laughs> back to him and what's better than being a like a, a geeky guitar player like all three of us being a pretty girl that plays a different instrument <laughs> would you not be a total if your band if she did a cover of your band and it showed up on your on your instagram tagged like look i covered kelly would you not be totally like oh my god like that'd be the sweetest thing that anyone could ever do because like there's no girl i've ever dated that could like transcribe my solo and then play it back to me better on a different instrument siobhan get a get a cello and and, and cover my bass lines <laughs> yeah, and, and in fact, can you tell our viewers what's the best brand of cello you could buy? What? <laughs> Somebody commented. I don't know if you're making a reference to this, but right. I got a comment on a, on a photo or a video that I posted that said, "What brand of cello do you use?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, it's not a cello, and second of all, we don't really do brands. It's like makers. <laughs> I don't know. Say you were so skinny. Strange. That's fine. That's <laughs> the thing is that whole covers." phenomenon on Instagram thing. It's like, it's a thing now. Right. And I gotta say, I don't watch them uh, aside from the yeah. few. No, I, I would, I understand you because well, there's cool just because so you're many on a different medium. You're on a different yeah, medium. I don't want to see another guitar player. Like, okay. It's cool that someone covers Nuno Betancourt on the guitar, but like Nuno did it perfectly fine in the first place. And I don't need to hear your cover of it. And I, the best you could do is sound like Nuno. Whereas she plays on like a, uh, on a violin with a guy with a hurdy gurdy, whatever the fuck that thing is, and that's like interesting because it's like saying, "Oh, I'm gonna play Primus on the guitar, but the bass line." Like, okay, for you have me, my attention. I mean, for me, it's really a study. I'm just making the video so I commit to actually like finishing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Life it's not even study. for any any reason other than to learn the language of guitar solos, which I'm totally unfamiliar with. But that's but that's what's cool about even learning. Yeah, like Kelly, your solos are like Conrad's solos, trying to harmonize with it. Is you kind of you're forced to decode what might be the theory behind it and some of the patterns and stuff that's totally idiomatic on the guitar that's very different on the violin. You were so excited during acceptance doing his solo, which by the way, when Kelly first got it, I had slid it accidentally. So he was like, this is out of time. And I'm like, there's no way it's out of time. It's my fault. I guarantee it. But you like, when you were recording it, you were like, this is so musical. I really like, this is very pretty. And it's so nice because it's like hearing that your friend likes your other friend at like your overnight party. You're like, oh, <laughs> they like each other. That's great. Cause it's like, I don't know. I just know that Kelly's unbelievable in my mind, but to have someone who has a master's degree in music be like, this is very well composed. It's like, <laughs> I guess I wasn't crazy to think that Kelly was the best ever in my mind that I had never heard of. Yeah, so can we, can we kind of dive back a little bit we do this with a lot of guests but kelly can you talk about your background in music and, and kind of how you got started and how you got to the level you're at now uh yeah um, 
I guess what sparked my interest in even starting to play was <laughs> actually this is pretty funny. I was a kid. I was probably eight years old, maybe nine. And I saw the video for ZZ Top Legs <laughs> nice. or whatever it was yeah, for the skinny guitars. Yeah, yeah. Right? Attached to the belt buckle and this whole skinny. And I'm like, I, I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right? So I, I, m- I remember, um, I remember getting, yeah, my first guitar I got when I was nine. And up to that point, I was into like, to be honest, probably Michael Jackson was my biggest yeah thing. and i never really noticed the guitar in that stuff i mean there's guitar all over it right but i never really noticed it but now that i own a guitar i hear it all, all the time right mm-hmm. i hear it in songs that i've heard for years it's almost like you know you buy a car and all of a sudden and you you buy one that you think is unique to you you're like oh that's yeah. We've we've talked about this before, but uh, kind of a similar story I think that we all share um, is the way you listen to music before you're a musician or a producer Mm -hmm. or an engineer is completely different. Um, We've talked about like, you know, when I would listen to songs with my friends, there was like a a transition to where I was listening to it and I was like thinking like, well, what the hell is that going on in the back? Why is that? I remember listening to like Stone Temple Pilots and they would have like Nice. <laughs> That's why I brought that out. Yeah. Because so, I want people to understand where Kelly's coming from. Matt Klein, actually, uh, who built this guitar, built it so one of my for Gibsons. The, for the listeners that aren't seeing the video, Ben's got a book with the. It's the fluffy. It's the fluffy guitar from from Legs. That if you haven't seen, look, I know <laughs> I knew nothing about guitars growing up, but I knew about ZZ Top and yeah. I knew that they played fluffy guitars and I knew they had beards and that's one thing that's really cool about <laughs> Billy Gibbons and that's why I'm really glad that Kelly talked about it I just got this book in the mail because he's so iconic that he made a book about his guitars and it's really great because I got into thinking guitars were cool because I saw Billy Gibbons guitar in the Legs video yep. nice. but yeah so like listening to the songs like I was uh, just to finish what I was saying the, the Stone Temple Pilots they have a song um, you know there's all there's often like a clean guitar doing like a pedal tone or something very kind of it's noticeable, but you would never think of it as a separate Delay element. Yeah. So like, I remember th- listening to that and that's when I was like, okay, I'm not listening to this whole song anymore. I'm hearing all these different things. And I think that that's kind of what you're saying. You get a guitar <clears throat> and you're like, all of a sudden there's a, another layer and, and some depth to the stuff. Well, the only thing I could do at the time with it, I, you know, was just run my finger up a string. Like I, I couldn't yeah. play it. I knew nothing yet, but I owned it. You know, it's, it's mine. Okay, so I'm excited at the fact that I'm going to learn how to play this. So all of a sudden, I just hear it. I hear it in commercials now. I hear it in songs that I've heard for years. But now the guitar is sort of like yeah. mm-hmm. right. So shortly after that, um, I started obviously listening to and, and paying attention to more guitar-based music. So the story goes that uh, a friend of mine, my best friend at the time, came over to my place. And in the basement, I had an air hockey set that didn't, surprising that didn't work right it, it, it was broken the motor was was toast is this a metaphor kelly no not yet uh so, <laughs> so come over go down to <clears throat> play video games or something and he notices the air hockey set he's like oh let's play air hockey and i'm like no i wish we could but we can't it's broken he's like oh can i have it <laughs> no Dude, it's broken <laughs> he's like can I have it? So I'm like, oh my God. So my dad's upstairs in the kitchen. I'm like, dad, 
Seth wants the air hockey set. He goes, it's broken. <laughs> like, I know. He's like, yeah, sure. So I said, yeah, what, what, what will you give me for it? He goes, well, I got, I got two cassette tapes. I got a Motley Crue, Shed at the Devil, and I've got Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. Yes. I'm like, yeah. So he gave me the cassettes and hauled this air hockey set on his back three blocks away where he lives. And all of a sudden, that was it. This is such a Canadian story. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just it should have been it should have been Rush instead of Motley Crue. <laughs> you know what I mean? But and like Alanis Morissette. That, that, that piqued my ears to more aggressive sounding things than I had previously heard. Right. Um, and at that time, of course, they were big band. Like they were, you yeah. know, you see them on mm-hmm. much music or. MTV at the time, um, they were in the news quite a lot as well. So my mom knew who they were. <laughs> and, uh, and that kind of started the whole thing of like listening to more, more, more aggressive stuff. And at the same time, my parents were listening to country music day in. Mm-hmm. Out, so I'm getting like. Just to further reiterate that everyone listens to country music. Everyone in the world buys country music. Doesn't even matter if you're in Canada. They still <laughs> listen to country music there. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> yep. So did you get, did you uh, get any formal training at a certain point or start to take lessons or how, like, how did you learn? Talk about that a little bit. I started taking lessons, um, I would say about two months after getting a guitar. Uh, so I was about nine, almost 10, I think at the time. And I studied, uh, actually, this is an interesting one. My first teacher, I don't remember her name at all. I don't remember what she looks like. Nothing. I was so shy. I barely looked up, mm. but uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a, female teacher first for about a year and then we moved from uh hamilton where i currently live we moved to a smaller town called grimsby and so all of a sudden i had to find a new teacher and i studied with uh with him his name's phil for about i'm gonna say about three or four years and then he dismissed me he basically (laughs) was like unless you want to learn jazz or classical piano uh, i really have shown you everything i can show you and i'm like Mm kind of sad but i was sort of like, yeah kind of cool at the same time yeah. so i studied on my own for a while cool for you but sad for him that he doesn't think he can teach you anything if he's that level and there you've, you've learned because there's no there's always more things to learn oh for sure and I, I i think he was just he was not interested in milking it you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> well that's fair enough Look, i give i give him credit when you get to a certain point with a with a teacher for them to say you know yeah. what man i've i've got guided you and now it's to a level where Cause I mean, I keep going to Corey and he keeps telling me that he's better than me and I believe him. And I keep trying to think that like one day I'm going to go to him and he's going to say, I've taught you everything that you need to learn. And he's just like, he's like, here's how you tune your guitar. And I'm like, I think that this is going to be endless. Well, in, this, in this case, it was like his, what he was into was stuff like <clears throat> Zeppelin and mm-hmm. a little bit of Van Halen whatever, but everything else was kind of in that, that range and, and, and below, right? Mm-hmm. Not below, like, I mean, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Level wise, and I'm my interests were starting to go into like, oh, who's this Joe Satriani guy? Who's the mm-hmm. guy guy? And that's how, that was out of his realm. So he's like, well, mm-hmm. he's, he's going this way, and I'm I'm over here. So maybe maybe I you know 
I'll let him go. Yeah. And which is a sign of a good teacher. You took, can, you, you took the road less traveled. In, like, in the Robert Frost poem, you let him go that way, and then you're like, let's go to where the metalheads are, which is why we're broke and destitute and having to teach guitar. And, <laughs> well, let me uh, let me ask this real quick. Was there a particular song or album or artist that made you could, like completely obsessed? Because I know for me, like the one thing I remember is I listened to the solo partitas and sonatas by Bach that my dad had got me a copy of like a CD by Hilary Hahn and like the sheet music. And I'm like, there's no way one violinist is playing this. Like there has to be multiple violins. And I just became completely obsessed and like practiced like a maniac. You know, I, I feel had like that, that was like experience. the turning point for me. I had that same experience with Slipknot. I was like, there's no one drummer playing this song. <laughs> when I first heard Eyeless, when Ross Robinson said, I was like, what the fuck is this? And so I can understand, you know, JS Box, Slipknot. What was it for you, Kelly? What? Thing. Well, it doesn't have to be one, but it, you know, anything. There must have been a moment where something blew your mind. Oh, for sure. And I, I obsessed over a few things, but um, I obviously Rust in Peace was a big one for me. Uh, the funny thing with that is, I, I had known, I heard of Megadeth, and I heard and read about Marty, but back then, it was it was impossible to find a cacophony album where I lived. They just wow. they were all in Japan where all the people that are ahead of us were listening to I people no like Marty Friedman. Possibility of me listening to him, right? In fact, wow. back then he was on Shrapnel Records. I literally got so agitated that I couldn't find any that I called Shrapnel Records. They had a phone number at the bottom you of their the app. ultimate geek, dude. I love you so much, Kelly. I called them and I said, Excuse me, ma'am, could I order some CDs? or album or cassettes or anything. And they're like, sorry, literally, we don't ship to Canada <laughs> back then. So pre-internet, obviously. So yeah. I'm like, okay, never mind. Right? I'm never going to hear these guys. They just look cool in the magazines. So, and I've never heard Megadeth. Big, big Metallica fan. Can we just pause for a moment? Because we've been talking about how all these new guitar players get to watch like YouTube and they <laughs> absorb all these techniques and that they have like, you know, get to, Eddie Van Halen used to play with his back to the audience so people wouldn't see it. And this is really an interesting story because Kelly, I mean, obviously you're a little bit older than, than us um, and that you had to legitimately call a record label to beg yeah. to get yeah. the guitar player you're reading about in a magazine just to hear if he was as good as you thought he might be because of his hair. You, know, yeah. you didn't say the hair part, that was me, but I just figured because <laughs> he had fucking rad hair and so did Jason Becker. So the funny thing is, um, eventually Marty joins Megadeth and I'm like, okay, this is- We good, get this in Canada. This is good news because I can find a Megadeth album. Mm -hmm. I'm a Metallica fan at this point. Never heard Megadeth. Big metallic so i'm like all right well i'm gonna give this a try let's just see right so i pick up rust in peace i hear holy wars and i'm like Done. it's exactly what i was hoping for and, and by the way right like it all of a sudden i went from being total fanboy to one thing to being like oh i made a grave error here <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you say it's funny you say that Kelly, I actually, this is way later in life for me, but I say that, you know, when you're a producer or you're a serious musician, that there's a point in life where you, it, it's kind of like finding out again, your dad isn't the smartest person that you've ever met in your life. You think that your dad's like an oracle and then you meet other people. You're like, it, it's the same thing with Metallica. 
I, I have a Metallica poster behind me. I thought they were the best band. At one point, if you had said any band, it's like going to a Trump rally and people would be like, <laughs> I will vote for anyone else. <laughs> well, what if he like hangs someone? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, Metallica was like that for me. It was like, dude, there's Master of Puppets and then there's nothing else. And then as an adult, I'm like, I go, I've gone back and listened to Rust in Peace and I've gone back and listened to So Far, So Good, So What. I've got, and first off, we were talking about how like, you know, and justice for all is not quantized because they didn't fix things back then. And back then I didn't have good rhythm, let's say. Now I have good rhythm and I go listen to Rust in Peace and I go, holy shit, how does someone actually play that well? And that for me was when I realized that even though I love Metallica and I love the composition, um, that maybe Dave Mustaine had a ring of truth that in all those movies, even though he seems kind of mean. It's sort of like you, you kind of shame yourself when you finally realize that the thing that you thought was going to suck or couldn't possibly be as good as the thing that you're listening to is as good mm-hmm. or better than you're like, yeah, oh. or better. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was kind of uh, that was one that I obsessed over. Um, surfing with the alien. Joe Satriani. Amazing. Yeah. Oh um, my God. I shoveled many a driveway to buy that. <laughs> is wow. that what you do in Canada? Like it's because Jason Leckberg was talking about painting houses. Is it shoveling driveways? <laughs> I had a lot of snow. Elderly neighbors all over the place, right? Uh, so all I had to do was hold up a shovel, and they <laughs> come here, come here, right? Is this how you bought your first guitar, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> what was your first guitar? My first guitar. I have it. Well, wow! It was. I call it the peanut shell. It was like three quarter size. I had an acoustic guitar made by Harmony. Ah, I had a Harmony. It's actually in my living room, sitting there. Nice. Very, very uh, cool. I haven't. I played it for a year. My my parents made a deal. They said if you if you um, take lessons and, and you show that you're into this, um, <clears throat> we'll buy you an electric the next year. This is such a great allegory for all the listeners and viewers because we. One thing that's a subtext of the show, Kelly, is that we try to tell people like if you learn and you and you work hard, whether you're a kid, whether you're in high school, whether you know you're just at home because of a pandemic, that you do the best with yourself. That's a great thing to do because there are so many parents that try to force music upon their kids or whatever. And really, to be a good musician, you have to have something inside you that you want to do it. And I think that that's great that your parents were cognizant enough to say, you know what, here. Here's a harmony three quarter guitar. <laughs> if you could prove to us that like you could make this into something that you think is like worthwhile, we'll get you a big boy guitar. Yeah. And what was that big boy guitar? It was a harmony electric guitar. That copy was probably 120 bucks, and I played that for like six years. Dude, a strat's a strat's a strat, a strat's a strat when you first start off. I'm not saying that there aren't better ones than other ones, but like when people say, hey, what should I start on? I don't care, man. Get a fucking squire. Like if you are serious, you could start on something like that. Try, you know what? They aren't intonated great. They don't necessarily play awesome. That's the best thing you could ever do because then when you get a good guitar, you're a fucking Jedi. That's (laughs) after six years of playing that thing. Mm-hmm. I, I got my first time like swinging a weighted bat yeah. all the time and yeah, all of a sudden exactly. they're like here here you go sir you're like oh my god i can play rust in peace at full <laughs> speed because the strings aren't like an inch and a half off the fucking fret <laughs> yeah <board. laughs> yeah it's a good point exactly yeah so i got my first rg ivan is rg and nice that age and where is there's one here somewhere i kind of went oh okay that's, that's so <laughs> but that's i awesome. gotta say 
there was one more album that surprisingly I kind of obsessed over. And I say surprisingly because for my age, this album wasn't necessarily something my friends would have. Was it Oasis? <laughs> no, this is pre-Oasis even. Because I can just imagine you sitting in, in, in the quad somewhere. Like 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 me, two thousand in Northeastern, but you were like you know a little bit older, playing Wonderwall, and just being like, I can clearly do it better than that guy. <laughs> this is one that my guitar teacher turned me on to, and I had not heard of any of these guys. But he goes, I'm going to record this for you. He goes because he had it on he had it on vinyl, and uh, he's like, I'm going to I'm going to make a tape for you of this album, and uh, it was this one. Oh, Aldi and oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, dude. Okay. Live, three acoustic guitars, no band, literally Beatlemania response to every song. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and these guys, like, Jimmy Ola is amazing in any context, but he's almost more frightening on acoustic, which is like, how is that even possible? <laughs> so I have bought every, ink, every medium version of this. I had the transcription book. Which I feel so. Can you read it for, for our listeners? Can you read exactly what you're holding so that they want to go yeah. Amazon it? Friday night in San Francisco um, by Aldi Nula, John McLaughlin, and Paco de Lucia, if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's Paco de Lucia, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy album. And I'm not alone. I, I know there's a lot of guys like Zach Wilde. This is one of his favorites, whatnot. But mm -hmm. this album was just sort of like, oh my God, I didn't know you could play like that on guitar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had no idea. So that was another one that I kind of like, I wore it out. I wore the cassette out. I bought another one, bought the CD. I had the transcription book, like I said, it's just sort of like, that was one that just made me go, okay, other forms of music are, there's some stuff out there that's more mm -hmm. than yeah. Mm -hmm. no, I, for people that haven't listened to P, uh, so Aldi Miola is the biggest on there and even then a lot of people haven't listened to him um, so we worked with Rusty Cooley and Rusty Cooley is one of the fastest guitar players on the planet everyone knows that he's like a technique master John Petrucci has had him at his camp multiple years and you know I don't want to say that Rusty you know he's a confident guy and he's really good and he's fucking awesome and I said is there anyone that scared you at the camp you know Rusty's like uh, uh, Aldi Miola <laughs> Aldi Miola, Aldi Miola, and I'm like, cause, I mean, you have Jason Richardson, you have John Petrucci, you have like, you know, I think maybe it was Tony McAlpine or something. Like, Aldi Miola, and I'm like, that's the guy. But then you know, you go listen to Aldi Miola, <laughs> and you're right, because here's the thing: playing electric guitar fast, it's one thing, and it's it's definitely a whole beast. But to play acoustic like Paco de Lucia or to play like Aldi Miola or John McLaughlin, who's just literally on a different wavelength. And if people haven't listened to these guys, they are, again, and you can understand in Kelly's playing why he's so technically proficient. Because if you listen to a guy like John McLaughlin, that guy is the epitome of out-of-the-box thinking, insane picking. Aldi, Aldi Miola and John McLaughlin, in fact... Conrad Simon and guys like Jimmy Bell and Rusty Cooley, who are ferocious pickers where you can hear them burning through their picks. That comes from the school of Al Miola, Paco De Lucia, and John McLaughlin. Because those guys, like when you think that like Ingve Malmsteen was the first guy that did that insanity, maybe in the format of Beethoven and Paganini, but not better, superior, or before those guys right there. 
So that's really cool that you mentioned that because, you know, those that's deep into the well because, you know, obviously Joe Satriani, everyone's heard of Joe Satriani. Uh, not, well, not everybody, but like a lot of the guitar nerds have heard of Joe Satriani. But I love hearing stuff like Al Miola or uh, Paco De Lucia or McLaughlin because McLaughlin, like, again, you know, what makes you like McLaughlin? Why is he so cool to you, Kelly? Can you explain it? Because it's one of those things for me where I understand, but I can't, ex I can't articulate other than he's so innovative. Well, the thing is, he's also covered a lot of ground. Like, if you hear the early stuff he's done with Mahavishnu Orchestra or whatever, and it's it's out there. It's out there, it's trippy, it's kind of jazz fusion, but aggressive. Um, so he's done that kind of thing, right? And that's where he made his first big splash. That's where people kind of first took note of of him. Um, not and with Jerry Goodman, by the way, have you have you heard Jerry Goodman, um, Siobhan, on, on violin? Uh, no, I don't think he's so. the violinist for the Dixie Dregs. And if you want to hear a okay. fucking insane violinist in a rock format, yeah. the first violinist oh, that's awesome. that I, ever, I can't believe I didn't well, know I, about I, this. in 2000, when I saw the Dixie Dregs with Steve Morse, may I add, mm -hmm. um, opening for Dream Theater, um, they had Jerry Goodman playing violin. And I remember it was the first time I ever saw a violinist other than Itzcock Perlman at Mechanics Hall. Um, uh, that was like, holy bananas, like, what the flying hell is this continue yeah. sorry for interrupting you kelly uh, no problem and actually come to think of it speaking of the dixie drags they also had a guy named mark o'connor yes. Oh, yeah. yes yep i know mark o'connor for sure well imagine steve morrison him cooling away yeah that's awesome um, but yeah he's gone through the back to mclaughlin he's gone through so many and i don't even pretend to have heard all of it like i have a whole bunch of stuff and uh but i'm missing i'm missing I haven't heard the Miles Davis stuff. I haven't heard. Well, so explain to people. He's played with Miles Davis. He's done experimental jazz fusion, which if people don't understand what that is, that's basically like... In 17-8. A jazz guitar playing is amazing. It's insane. And, you think it, and here's the thing. is, It sounds... It's like deliberate nonsense. He's done, he's done traditional jazz stuff, but my, some of my favorite... John McLaughlin stuff. If you haven't heard this, run, don't walk to your nearest record store and pick it up. Shock teeth. We don't have those anymore. Shock, shock uh, teeth? Record store. Shock, <laughs> shock teeth. S-H-A-T-K-I. Should that, should, that oh, should that be on one of Siobhan's I need to learn this riffs? Yeah, basically John and uh, a few Indian players. Tabla, we have violinists. I think it's Levi Shankar. I might be wrong about Robbie that. Levi Shankar mm -hmm. played the sitar. You got to hear this. You got the first album. I will. I want to look it up. First album. Shock is teeth. Live. The first album is live. How ballsy is that? Snarky wow. puppy style, huh? Except, but not. Shock teeth. I have to look this up. Well, you know what? But that's here's the thing: is you're going again back to in the day, live a lot of the times was better. Like, so you hear bands like. The Eagles, they sounded muted on the record to me because they played things slower, they were much more mellow. And then you go see Don Feldner and Joe Walsh live, alcoholicated, and it was like, whoa! These guys aren't just a country band, they're a rock band. You know what yeah. I mean? But back in the day, um, you know, you didn't have Pro Tools to hide behind and you made everything perfect to a grid. So if you were Paco De Lucia, um, you would just go play for people because you were just that good. That's why people thought you were that good. It's not because Corey chopped you up and made you perfect <laughs> to the grid and then, you know, made you sound like Conrad, 
who just is an alien, people were actually that good. And that's one of the things I yeah. love about your playing is because when we first met Kelly, um, you were not a learned engineer. You were a guitar player, which is what most people are. And you know we had to walk him through stuff, but you weren't allowed to cheat because you barely even knew how to plug it into the computer. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not going yeah. like all these new guys are like, okay, if I line this up. So when we get a track from, from Kelly, we'd sometimes have to solo it. And we're like, oh my God, because you could hear the humanity in your playing. The, one mm -hmm. of the things that I absolutely hate about modern, a lot of modern metal music, a lot of modern shred music, is that it's so edited that the feel is taken out of it and mm -hmm. it, it and and some of the warts and some of the things that make something sound unique that, uh, yeah. like Cacophony, if you listen to them, again, it's tight, but it's not militant tight because they didn't, line it up in Pro Tools, you had like a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old playing with reckless abandon. And that's what made it sound so good. So you could do it live because basically when you went into the studio, even like with Jason Becker and, and Marty Friedman, they were pretty much just recording live tracks and just getting it and then maybe overdubbing one or two things. Whereas yeah. nowadays we're like, let's do the drums this week, we'll do the bass that next week, we'll make sure we edit that, and then we'll put this yeah. on top of it, and when that's perfect, then we'll add these things. And it's a totally different process. So you could play them, live. A lot of those guys um, have said, we were talking about like the shrapnel era records and stuff, on multiple occasions, you, you hear them say, well, you know what, we had a week. We had a week and we had a budget constraint. So yeah, we had to get it done and it, it is what it is. I, I've heard mm -hmm. more say that. Um, I'm sure all those bands, Cacophony, Racer X, whoever else, they probably didn't really have much time to do it. So you had to be rehearsed. You had to be ready to go, right? Just well, I mean, you see guys like Paul Gilbert and like one of the things I love about Paul Gilbert, who was in Racer X, the band that you were talking about, um, whereas a lot of guys have gone towards this super uber shredder level, like again, like the Jason Richardsons and um, some of the, and I, I have respect for it, total respect for this insane technique. A guy like Paul Gilbert, who was doing the insane technique, who literally did the video outside of Michelangelo Badio that I'm sure everyone has seen. Everyone has seen the videos that, that Paul Geary, uh, Paul Geary, that uh, Paul Gilbert did in the eighties, as far as if you were trying to learn guitar, but on his n newer music, he's chosen the road of tasty, as I call it. That he's chosen to play slide guitar or to do something pleasantly weird, and he will still play fast notes. He's not like bumming people out by not showing technique, but he's much more interested in melodicism, and he's much more interested in writing a composed song with interesting changes than he is in going, let me program something on my computer to make it as weird mm -hmm. as possible so that I can do something that no one's ever done before and not even John Petrucci would have thought of it because, I mean, even if you listen to like the last, a lot of the Dream Theater <clears throat> stuff, they're like, let's figure out what the weirdest thing is and blah, 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 blah. And I respect them so much for that, but there's something to be said for people who just organically play that way. Yeah, and and it, I, I want to get Kelly's perspective on kind of his compositional style, but we are, we're actually coming up at the end of this this segment here. He's gonna have to stay um, more. We so have to talk to him. So we're gonna, we know this guy. We're gonna, we're gonna, do, <laughs> we're gonna do another hour. Um, Did he just 2020 us? I'm like so fascinated. <laughs> this is the first Too interview. Too much good stuff to talk I'm just about. Like, I, I wanna know so much stuff for a personal reason because we have three records and, yeah. and not just that, Kelly, 
we haven't even talked about it yet and we can talk about it on the next podcast but before Siobhan or, or Corey even walked into the picture Kelly myself my brother and Conrad had probably a thousand pages and this is not even an exaggeration a, like, a year so and a you half typing maybe. everything right Ty yeah well i mean listen sure. i may have typed the you have a thousand of the, pages on of, your own of, of the rest of the uh, well they probably brian conrad and kelly were the equivalent of, of me um <laughs> you know but but a thousand pages of us talking about this project early on and what we loved about guitar playing and you know Kelly would be like oh I'm gonna go watch uh, the, the hockey game or I'd be like I'm going to the Metallica concert and we'd all talk about our lives and we were almost like a support guitar group for each other before this turned into this so Amazing. I, 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 yeah. I want to say that it's great to talk to Kelly because we don't have a personal relationship in this respect, but we really have spent an a, enormous amount of time musically working together like doing a, he's always done trust falls into my music in the sense that I send him something. He never really argues with me and just sends perfect stuff back. And Corey can speak to this and Siobhan can speak to this. Every time we send something to, to Kelly, we never worry. We're never, oh, like, yeah, this it's is always have, amazing. He one yeah. time sent me something and said, I'm not sure if this is going to be it. And I said, Oh, this is definitely it. And that was literally <laughs> the only argument I've ever had with Kelly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely have to have a part two of this. So and that right. said, a little deeper. you guys have been fucking 2020. Turn back in. We're going to have the other episode up at some point soon. And hopefully you have the desire to see us again. And we <laughs> miss you. But that said, thank you to Kelly uh, for taking the time up in Canada. And to uh, Corey and, and Siobhan for always indulging me. Because I obviously, this podcast is very similar to my conversations with Kelly. Where I just say things, say things, say things, say things. And then they have like these awesome ideas. And then I say things, say things, say things. <laughs> so if you haven't figured that out, that's 2020. 2020-D.com. And I also want to say thank you to our sponsor. Yes. Lost Symphony, our band. Check chapter it out. one. Check it out. 2020. See you soon. everyone i'm hal schwartz and i'm flynn mcclain together we host none but the brave a podcast dedicated to the music and career of bruce springsteen bruce and e street band are on tour right now for the first time in six years and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes we've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests including rock journalist warren zanes and stephen hyden backstreet's magazine founder charles cross and barstool's kirk menahan if you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.